from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, check it out now. Uh, no doubt now. Thursday morning, November 8th, 2018, the Beating the Book podcast, Megapod time. It's Gil Alexander on the show today. Week 10 lines in the NFL. The show brought to you by thescorex.com, T-H-E-S-C-O-R-E-X.com. It's that secret football stock market thing I've been talking about for years. It is finally here, 100% free to start a league with you and your friends. And when you sign up, you're entered into the ScoreX main league and win $5,000. But more to the point, for everybody who listens to this show, if you enter promo code GILL, that's GILL with two L's on sign-up, and you're the top beating the book ScoreXer at the end of the regular season, you are going to be on the Megapod for Wild Card Weekend with me, Marco, and Ace to discuss your NFL trading prowess we look forward to that. Again, it's thescorex.com to find all the download links. Make it happen. We'd love for you to be the guy. By the way, I tweeted out the current standings. Those are on my Twitter, at Beating the Book. It is very competitive. Not too late to join to try to compete with those at the top right now. On the show today, as usual, the staples of the show on my right from Wager Talk, 39 years into business, Marco D'Angelo. Good morning, Marco. Morning, Gil. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you is the real question. You doing good? Oh, top of the world. <laughs> top of the world, buddy. <laughs> Last week was one of those weeks of the Super Contest. In Classic, where I share an entry, I was 4-1. and one. In Gold, I was 5-0, and oh, and I picked up all of one game. It was such a... It was such a everybody-did-well kind of week in the NFL. This is a very funny week because lots of huge lines, like eight different lines of a touchdown or more in the NFL. We'll get into it momentarily. On my left is always on the show. Out of the sports betting diaspora, Ace, what's happening, man? Never better, bro. I got coming off a terrible Sunday in the NFL. That was my worst week of the year. I mean, just everything went, went wrong. You know, fortunately, I didn't give out too much volume, didn't bet a lot of volume, but I just could not win for nothing on Sunday. Are you allowed to talk about that boxing thing you were just talking about off air, or are you not allowed to talk about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mention it to the people. Absolutely. Mention it to the people. Yeah, they're, 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 now that the UFC signed the, the deal with uh, ESPN, they're asked to produce more content, and obviously, you know, the UFC has, UFC's embraced sports betting and wants to start creating more content covering it from that aspect. Um, and they, they're creating a new show for ESPN Plus that they asked me to be a part of. And we're actually with the next pay-per-view UFC that's coming up the first week of December um, will be the first episode that, we, that airs. Um, I, you know, I'm just coming on to probably do a segment and cover it from the, the Vegas angle. Uh, but I'm just glad to be asked to do it. You know, thousands of people cover the sports. So I'm just congratulations, man. To me. Congratulations so, to you. Thank you. I'm excited. No, that's awesome. Uh, 
Thankfully or hopefully, they don't listen to this podcast because the second they do, you are out. They're going to be like, this guy yeah. can't, can't, can't <laughs> to save his life, dude, right? <laughs> no, I have to, I'm going to have to send years past. Be like, I built the reputation. That's right. I'm just messing with you. Congratulations for real. Couldn't be happier yeah, for you. I lost again last week. The truth's the truth, man. I'm 2-7 and seven on, on best bets for the podcast this year. I, I can't put it any other way. I, I mean, truth be told, I, I document everything. I, my, my bets, I'm ahead. You know, I'm having a decent NFL year. Okay. Um, I just my best bets. I just can't win, man. I don't. I don't know what it is. Let I, me let me introduce the guests. Let me introduce the guests. We're very happy for you, though. I am very happy for thank you. Thank you. First time on the show. First time on the show, and has been here in uh, in Vegas all these years. Twenty years in sports broadcasting, uh, hosting sports talk radio. I played golf with him Super Contest weekend last year. And uh, he tried everything possible to get me into uh, lots of trouble. Uh, so I appreciate him for that. He's now hosting SportsX Radio uh, over at 720 KDWN here in Las Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, Ken Thompson. Thank you, Ken, for doing this. Yo, Alexander, I appreciate you and anything, uh, you know, doing anything with Ace or uh, Marco. Always, uh, always solid. But you guys do a great job week in, week out. And to step in for Brady Cannon, man, I feel honored. Yeah, Brady, who uh, was on the uh, first week of this year's podcast. Brady's always on week one. He's kind of a tradition. Uh, so I asked Brady, and Brady was like, no, but I got Ken right here. Brady couldn't do it on short notice. So we appreciate you stepping in. Let's begin, gentlemen, with the Monday night game. Monday night, oh, they don't get any worse than this. Giants at San Francisco. Ken, I'm going to start with you. I'm not even going to elaborate. Usually I go through a whole litany of stats. Uh, suffice it to say the Giants are coming off a bye. They're 1-7. Eli Manning is still their quarterback. San Francisco coming off extra rest here. When last we saw them, they were playing on a Thursday night where they completely destroyed the Oakland Raiders. Uh, your Oakland Raiders. Sorry to lead with that, uh, Ken. San Francisco's 2-7. and seven. The Niners are three-point favorites here. Nick Mullins was the starter that day. Went 16 of 22 for 262, three touchdowns, no picks, a 151.9 passer rating, just a completely outlying pro debut, amazing performance. Uh, But you couldn't have a worse game in terms of fan interest. From a betting standpoint, any value here? Are you betting this? And if so, which way? Yeah, I am betting it, actually. And you know what I'm going to look at? I looked at both sides, and the Giants coming off a bye, always intriguing, even when a team's 1-7. and I'm looking at this team saying, you know what, we've got eight games to go. We're not making the postseason, but let's go out. Let's make Beckham health, you know, happy. Let's uh, throw the ball around. Let's try and get some protection on the offensive line, which has been you know, just absolutely pathetic. I mean, between them and, of course, watching the Raiders like I do every week, watching those offensive lines, it's just been tough to even watch football uh, you know, with that low uh, you know, just percentage of being able to block one-on-one. And uh, you know, when I watch this giant team, they just don't. They just don't have it. But coming off the bye, you know they're going to go up against Mullins. They've got film on him now. Look, I followed Mullins' career at Southern Miss. The kid's got talent in a wide open offense, and I think the kid can make it. But it's a big game for him because he's going to get the start over Bethard. Bethard's still a little bit banged up, but it's a chance to show Shanahan that hey, I'm your number two guy when Garoppolo comes back. So I think you know you'll get his best effort. I looked at the weather: 65 degrees around kickoff. No wind. Giants off a bye. Going to air it out a little bit more, try and get Beckham more involved. I really think that this game has a chance to go over the 44 points, even though the two average under 42 between them. I'm looking at this game with great weather, no wind coming into play. Normally the Bay Area around this time, even Santa Clara, you're going to get some wind come into play, but it looks like a perfect forecast for points to be scored. And let's face it, when you've got one and seven and two and seven, they have nothing to lose. Throw the ball around, you know, entertain the Monday night crowd because they don't have a flex schedule like the Sunday night game. So entertain some people. And uh, Ogletree still questionable with the hamstring, so that hurts the Giants a little bit on defense as well. But I'm going to play over the total of 44 in this game. Over the total 44. Uh, I lived at the Bay Area for 21 years, and I often said in my two decades there, that's the area of the country that global warming helped the most. It is much more mild, to your point, Ken, uh, this time of year than it ever was, say, 10 or 15 years ago. It's very interesting uh, how the climate has changed there. This is in Santa Clara, obviously closer to Silicon Valley. San Francisco, as we speak, this is uh, the juice is moving a little on this. It's three with extra juice consensus in favor of the homestanding Niners here. And Nick Mullins is getting the start. It was a Kyle Shanahan decision. It's almost as if C.J. Beathard could have gone in this game, 
but Shanahan is actually making the decision, it appears, to go with Nick Mullins. It's, it's a little unclear, but it sounds to me that way. Uh, Nick Mullins, though, Marco, if I go to you, because if I, if I have gleaned anything from your talks through the years, Marco, there are certain things that I like to call Marcoisms. And let me just guess that one of your talking points here will be, this is different, though, because even though Mullins started that game, we didn't really know he was starting till day of game, literally hours beforehand. Here, the Giants have had all the time to prepare for him. Yeah, and uh, I'm just going to open this game with saying uh, one of the greatest movie lines of all time from The Godfather. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> Fucking Giants! I gotta <laughs> use them again. <laughs> it's a it's a Monday night game. Off the bye, as Ken said. But more importantly, whenever you're one in seven, okay, the season's over for them. We all know that it's been over for some time. But these are still professionals, and it's a standalone, nationally televised game on a Monday night. They don't want to be embarrassed again. If they're going to come to play, this is the game they come to play. And as you said, yes. It's easier for a quarterback, you know, to go in there, you know, almost cold. I mean, they didn't tell anybody till you said hours before. Then we saw that line move like crazy on that Thursday night game. Now he's had a long time to think about it. And as Ken pointed out, too, uh, there's at least one game uh, of film to look at. Uh, I like the Giants in this spot. And I will say that this probably will be – if the Giants don't find a way to get the money here in this one, there's just no way that you can back them at any point the rest of the season. This is the type of game that if they're going to show up, it's here. They've had two weeks to try to come up with a game plan to fix that offense that has been absolutely horrific. I'll go ahead and give them the shot. I got the Giants uh, winning this one 24-20. All right, a little pre-flop bet from Marco on this one. Ace, I won't belabor it. Giants, San Francisco, Monday night, obviously not what they anticipated when they made this schedule. The folks over uh, at Monday Night Football didn't expect a uh, combined three wins between these two teams at that time, but they thought Jimmy Garoppolo would be the quarterback for the Niners, and they thought the Giants would actually be a credible football team. Neither, uh, obviously, the case right here. Yeah, bottom line is one of our greatest assets as betters is the ability to pass. I mean, you can't lose money you don't put in the middle. And the bottom line is, if you don't love a game, I mean, really feel like you have an edge, you're just gambling. And if you're laying 110 to flip a coin, you're setting yourself up for long-term, you know, losing your bankroll eventually. I mean, you just can't continue to practice like that and expect good results. Um, And this is one of those games, if you don't love going in, there's no reason to put your money down. You'll find better spots to to get down. You have a 1-7 team against a uh, 2-7 team, you know, three wins between them. Uh, Here's what I can tell you. Uh, None of the groups that I provide accounts for touched this game so far, but a kid that I share – uh, share info with. He told me his guy's best San Francisco minus three actually texted me this morning and said, you're not going to, if you like the San Fran side by mid afternoon, you won't find threes. There'll be three and a half or three minus 25s. They're supposed to hit it today. So if you see that happen, his group hit it. Um, so obviously they like something in San Francisco, but personally, I don't like this game. Um, I, I Listening to Kenny, he kind of made sense. You know, you got two teams not playing for much. Um, It takes a little more effort to play defense, so I see that for sure. Um, But for me, I don't want to waste any of the listeners' time. Like I said, unless something strong comes in from sources other than myself, um, this is a pass for me. Yeah, man, for me, this is exactly like that San Francisco-Oakland game. And I said this on VEASAN on a numbers game, uh, Monday through Friday, Sirius XM Channel 204, where I said, hey – um, I'm not betting this preflop. I'm going to watch a drive or two, which is exactly what I did in that San Francisco-Oakland game. Then you have the information right there where you're like, oh, Oakland really does suck ass. So it was a live betting tour de force on the Niners. It was just a Niners flood the rest of that game. And that's how I think you bet this game. I think you wait to watch a little bit of it and then jump in. That's how I'd prefer to bet it anyway. I'm with you, Ace. No preflop for me. Sunday night, gentlemen, Dallas at Philadelphia. NFC East game between the reeling Cowboys, who are at 3-5, and five, and the Eagles here, who are very poised now in the NFC East with the Redskins' offensive line being decimated and the Giants being in the uh, cellar of the division to really recapture their dominance of this division. Now, I do a guessing line show on Monday, as you guys know, both on the podcast and at VEASAN, 
And I guessed, before I got to see Dallas play Tennessee, Marco, I guessed four and a half in this game. NFC East game, usually back in the day, this was always three points. But Dallas kind of reeling, I said four and a half. And Tim Fitzgerald over at the South Point, who was filling in for Chrissy this week, said to me, six. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, Philadelphia by six. Like, that seems really high. And then Dallas went ahead and laid an egg. And it's seven now. And I kind of get the seven now more than I did the six then. Nonetheless, that's the consensus number. The Eagles favored by a full touchdown over a Dallas team that hasn't won a game on the road yet this year. And Philly's got the uh, extra rest here. How do you feel, Marco, about this one? Well, I don't feel really good. It's an ugly thing that we got to look at the Cowboys, two primetime games in a row. And you talk about getting screwed by the schedule makers. You got them off of a Monday night game, have to come back on a short week to play on Sunday (laughs) against a team that was on a bye. I mean, that's just not supposed to happen, and it's a division game. So, you know, I mean, it's added advantage to Philadelphia in this spot. You look at it, you know, and over the years, you know, when we talk about situational spots, it's always been a good play to jump on a team that, you know, looked bad on Monday night football, and once again, Dallas looked bad. They really couldn't get anything going. Uh, nothing in the second half. Why they quit running Zeke Elliott is beyond me. There's no reason that they should have only ran the football 19 times in that game. It, you know, I know that they ended up losing by two scores, but it was a tie game into the third quarter. You're, it's not like you're playing catch-up and you have to throw on every down. They don't have the balance. And if this team doesn't have balance on offense, they've got no shot. And since they added Amari Cooper, you would think it would have made life even easier for Elliott because they do have to um, worry about a pass threat now with having a big play uh, receiver. And granted, he was only into the uh, system for a week, but they made a, you know, an effort to go to him on uh, Monday night, you know, maybe almost too much. I look at this one, there's only one way for me to play it, even though Dallas – uh, is still ranked number four defensively at 5.3 yards per play, and uh, Philadelphia is at 21 with its six yards a play. Uh, I, normally, I would take the better defensive team getting points, but I think if you're going to do this, the way to go with it is tease uh, Philadelphia down, get them down to minus one on the teaser. I don't see Dallas going into Philadelphia and winning. Uh, but I'm not comfortable laying the full touchdown. So I will have Philadelphia on teasers. 100% agree with that. That's exactly what I I would do with this game. Philly on the tease. Do not see Dallas winning it. Uh, Marco, by the way, thank you for not having two consecutive cursing outbursts. I appreciate that. That was very, very, very passionate of you on that first game, I have to tell you. Uh, I don't usually go after announcer, announcer crews or anything like that because, you know, we all make mistakes. We're all annoying at times, for sure. But can I just say about Joe Tessitore and Jason Witten, that I cannot deal anymore with these guys. That four-yard pass, I mean, this is like item number 10 this year, but that four-yard slanting out that Amari Cooper scored on, did they think that was Picasso? Like, how many times did you see a four-yard slanting out? And they talked about it like it was the the greatest play they'd ever seen in their lives. It's driving me nuts. Anyway, Ace, your thoughts here. Yeah, this is typical NFC East. You know, these two teams know each other so well. Uh, home field advantage usually doesn't mean much. You look at last season, the road team won twice. Um, but with that said, I was surprised the line was this high as well. I mean, straight power rating-wise, I had it lower um, like you did. And it just off the top of my head, it looked a little bit too high. But the more you look into it, I mean, Dallas hasn't won a single road game all year. Um, you know, you look at little things like that, and you could see why and – it was shaded a little higher. You know, they haven't covered a road game all season. In fact, they score about six, almost a touchdown less per game on the road um, than they do at, at you know overall. Um, so it's pretty hard to win football games like that. Uh, where I think the value lies is on the total, um, and it sounds square you know going over on a primetime game but but here's why: when you look at this matchup, the only thing that really sticks out is, is defense. You know, you have uh, uh, two teams that are having a pretty good year, at least points allowed defensively. Dallas is third in the NFL. Philadelphia's fifth in the NFL, both allowing less than 20 points a game. And then you look at the flip side, how are they offensively points scored? Dallas is 26th. Philly's 21st. So it looks like the perfect, you know, situation for a low-scoring game. But those 
type of that type of information factored into the betting line. In fact, I, I believe that it's shaded because of that, meaning this becomes the perfect storm for value on the over. You know, you have the, the perception of the fact these are two good defenses, um, so you're going to shade the line a little bit shorter on the total. Um, I, and then you, you couple that with if they are really good defenses, you know, that, that leads to turnovers, that leads to short fields. It doesn't necessarily mean low scoring. Um, so for me, I think there's some value on that over. The only thing that scares me is it's prime time. You know, if this was in Sunday afternoon, I'd definitely be on the over. Um, I mean, on the under. But the fact that it's prime time scares me a little bit um, because you do see some things happen late in, in prime time games where it doesn't – not as much on a Sunday afternoon. And, and because of that, sometimes the scoring gets out of hand late in the game. But otherwise, I think the, uh, the, the over is good in this one. I, you know, 43 is where it's sitting right now. Um, I just think that's the only way you could play it. I like Marco's idea with teasing it. Dallas hasn't won a single road game um, this year, and I think Philly's better than their 4-4 four four record reflects. Um, can't lay the 7, man. To me, it's, it's got to be the over or pass. Total tease game for me. You know me. All I advocate is the teasers these days. I'm, I'm all about that. 43 is, in fact, the total. It is the second lowest total on the board this weekend in the NFL. A full touchdown higher than the single lowest total, which is on the Buffalo Bills-Jets game, which is at 36.5 right now. A curious line in that game that is coming down through the key number of seven now that Josh McCown is the quarterback and Sam Darnold is not. Very peculiar move from my standpoint. Let's see if somebody picks that game later. We'll get to that. I stray. Uh, as far as this game, Dallas at Philly on Sunday night. Mentioned Amari Cooper with the Cowboys and how Tessitore and Witten just were slobbering all over that play. Uh, that was Cooper's debut for the Cowboys. And obviously part of the Cooper acquisition is let's see how good Dak really is. Let's surround him with as much as we can and really evaluate this kid. This is the first game for Philadelphia. They already know what they have in Carson Wentz, but this is their first game with Golden Tate, who was traded to them from the Detroit Lions. I was amazed at the trade deadline. This was a great NFL trade deadline, the best one ever. But I was amazed at how teams were so willing to trade key players in conference. And Golden Tate from Detroit to Philadelphia was maybe the most amazing of those to me. And I'm kind of alone. Like, I don't think anybody is similarly amazed by this. Like, I'm like, wow, like, why would you trade that? I get it. It's not in division, but you might compete with Philly. I still think Philly's going to win the NFC East. But I was amazed that they would trade him to a, a team in conference. Didn't seem to bother the Lions. And so Carson Wentz will have Golden Tate at his disposal for the first time in this one. Ken, what do you think here? I like Philly a lot, man. Uh, you could say it's square or whatever. There's uh, two teams that are going in opposite directions. Philadelphia's 4-4, four and four, could easily be 6-2. and two. Come off the bye. Look, Wentz is probably as close to 100% now than he has been all season. And you look at their four of their next five games are inside the NFC East. They know this is where they take care of business. They blow past the Redskins. Forget Dallas. Forget the Giants. Don't even let them breathe. And Philly's going to be back with a shot to go back to the Super Bowl. They have eight games to get things together. They know they're... Non-conference games are all against first-place teams at New Orleans, at the Rams, Houston at home. So those are tough games non-conference-wise. What do you do? You take care of business inside your own division. Should be a nice night, 45 degrees, no wind there in Philly. Again, off the bye, Marco made a good point. Dallas coming off the short week. Look, they're going to miss left guard Connor Williams. That hurts. Jalen Mills probably misses for uh, Philadelphia as far as in the secondary. But I think Philadelphia will win this game by double digits. I know, again, you look at it, it's NFC East, it's division versus division. I'm telling you, there's sometimes you look at teams, they're based on their name. Dallas is one of those teams. Trust me, I've been doing a Raiders postgame show here in town. The Raiders are based off their name. People wanted to you know, jump on the Raiders. They want to jump on on this week, double digits. There are certain teams that are just bad. This Dallas team, yeah, they put a cosmetic Band-Aid on the wide receiver position by grabbing mm -hmm. Amari Cooper. Yeah. First off, it's too late. Second of all, I've watched Amari Cooper the last two years. He's had three good games. Guys drop more passes than almost anybody in the league. So, again, you're trying to salvage the season. But, again, there's too much film out on Dak Prescott. He's very predictable. Ezekiel Elliott now not getting the holes he used to when they had a tight end. Look at Dallas through all these years, whether it's Dupree or Novacek. You go on and on and on. And Witten for how many years? They always had the great tight end as the safety valve. They no longer have that. 
It's not, I mean, if Cole Beasley's your number one option and then you go out and you grab Amari Cooper, I mean, you're in some trouble offensively, and the offensive line has not been what it's been in the past. I'm telling you, Philly's going to blow them out in this game. I like it. I couldn't agree more about Amari Cooper, and they traded a first for him. Let's point that out. Yep. And and your first comment, like you might think this is square, man. Let me tell you, Ken, that is I am on a year long, if not seasons long, crusade now to push back against people who think certain plays are square. Because I think if anything, the pendulum has swung to the point where people now make plays. They're more interested in sounding smart than they are to win money. And I call it the too the too cool for school crowd that, you know, again, New England, Chicago a few weeks ago, when everybody was on Chicago, I'm like, really? Like, with, with all that passion? I just think that that's a uh, interesting phenomenon happening. So I'm with you there. Philadelphia, you like them not only to win it, but to cover going away on Sunday night. Let's start with Sunday hey, game. Gil, real quick. Real yeah, quick, please. Gil, real quick. I mean, the other thing I want to say is the wake-up call they got in the fourth quarter when they blew a 17 nothing lead to Carolina at home. Trust me, that's in the back of their minds. If they get a lead, they're going to keep pushing the pedal. Talking about the Eagles there in that case, yes. yes. The Eagles uh, squandering a 17 to nothing fourth quarter lead against the Panthers a couple weeks, a couple games ago, I should say, for the Eagles. It's a great point, man. Ace dibs on Sunday. What you got? Uh, this week I do like some games, boy. I really do and feel, feel good about this week. I'm going to go to a home dog. Um, never a bad play. And I'm going to go against the red hot, and maybe that's why I'm getting a little bit of trouble on these best bets, getting in front of red hot teams, but that's what I'm going to do this week and go against the New England Patriots, who are laying six and a half. You get seven minus 120. By Sunday, it'll be seven at more spots, but right now it'll cost you minus 120 um, to get that seven. I don't think you're going to need it. Um, I Listen, man, I, I think this line's just way too high. That's the bottom line here. Um, granted, Tennessee's offense, we all know how lethargic it's been, um, but don't look now. They put up 47 points the last two games. So seeing a little life because they're running the football. And that's when they've had success, even early in the season. I mean, when they ran the ball for 150 yards 35 times, they beat Jacksonville. When they run it for 14 times, for 55 yards, they lose to Baltimore at home. That's what happens. This team needs to run the football. They did so against the Chargers and almost won that game. 33 rushes for 164 yards, and they did it last week against Dallas. Again, running the football. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of that this week against the New England Patriots. Another thing I really like in this matchup is, is all the connections between these two teams. I mean, Vrabel makes it no secret um, he talks to Belichick every single week. In fact, he's leaned on him since he's become a coach. And what's funny is Rabel um, got cut and sent to whatever Kansas City or traded, and he didn't talk to Belichick for like a year. He was mad. Um, but, you know, then they became friends when he became a coach, and he says he talks to him pretty much every week. Um, with that said, there's even more connections if you dig deeper. You have the, the general manager for the Titans was a scout for the, the Patriots. You have defensive coordinator Dan Pease. You have cornerbacks in Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler. You got running back Deion Lewis. You have a lot of information in that Titans locker room um, that I think they're going to be able to benefit from. And, again, anytime you have a defense like the Titans, I think the back door stays open. I, you know, I've been pushing that theme a lot. Um, and in the NFL, it's, it's true. We see that all the time where, where teams that uh, – have defenses are are able to hang in games and get that backdoor cover. And I think that's what you're going to get here by Tennessee. Wouldn't be surprised. You got to sprinkle a little something, something for sure. You got a home dog that's live here. Sprinkle me, man. Sprinkle me, man. Sprinkle me, man. Sprinkle me, man. Sprinkle me, Sprinkle me, man. But yeah, I could see New England slipping up here. They haven't turned the ball over in two weeks, two weeks in a row. Hasn't happened for them in a, in a little bit. I think if they, you'll get some turnovers here as well, I think it's going to benefit Tennessee. Give me the Titans. Let's add in that, that revenge from last year. They lost in January to New England 35-14 as 14-point dogs. And what did Tennessee do in that game? They rushed the ball only 16 times for 65 yards. That recipe did not work. So expect a lot of running from them, and I think they'll have some success. Give me Tennessee plus six and a half, but obviously take the seven, lay the 10 cents extra. Don't be cheap. It's always worth it, I think. Um, and sprinkle a little bit on the money line. We'll get them 
back that way. You see your barstool guys are now like hashtagging sprinkle ML. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's like we haven't been doing it for eight years. Better late than never. Imitation, the sincerest form of flattery. All right, so Aces on Tennessee, uh, plus the uh, points in that one at home against New England. New England, uh, six wins in a row for the Patriots. They were 1-2, and two, now they're 7-2. and two. And that was just amazing on Sunday night. It was 17-17, Green Bay's driving, and then Aaron Jones fumbles, and you look up, and next thing you know... Not only the Patriots win the game, not only they cover, they win by two touchdowns. And you're like, you thought that was the night where they couldn't overcome. Even the great Patriots couldn't overcome the loss of Sony Michelle and Rob Gronkowski, and yet they did going away. Obviously, different situation at home, prime time, but uh, just amazing that franchise. So, aces on Tennessee. Ken, what are you looking at on Sunday? Yeah, you know, and uh, you had to bring that up because I did have everything tied to that Packers plus eleven and a half. Felt good oh. going into that fourth quarter. Oh, but, sorry uh, yeah, about that. that. Was- Right now, that's all right. Rather crushing, but that's what I get for uh, not getting a little bit back as far as the end running. Could have done something when it was tied at 17, but didn't elect to do so. So sometimes that hindsight, 2020, as we know. Look, I'm going to do another uh, play inside a division that ordinarily is a very close game, is a, is a game that people look at and say, no, this, this is going to be a nip and tuck game. I don't think so. I think, again, we have two teams going in opposite directions talking about the Bears and the Lions, and I like the way the Bears are playing. I like Trubisky. I think Trubisky is a fun quarterback. I think he is dual-talented. He's got the dual-talent. He takes off and runs. He's much more selective now. He's almost looking like, and I'm not going to put his passing skills in the category of a young Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers back in his heyday always picked the right time to tuck that ball under and take off for 15, 17, 18 yards, get out of bounds, slide, do the right things to protect himself. We're seeing that maturation out of Trubisky this year. And you get Khalil Mack back. Look, Detroit second-guessing himself last, uh, based on last week. They couldn't you know, protect Stafford. The Bears had four sacks without Khalil Mack last week. Soldier Field, that environment, they know, look, we're sitting five and three. We need to take this team out of the equation. Take Detroit out. You play them again in a couple weeks in Detroit. But take them out here, and you go to six and three. They drop to three and six. Then you worry about Minnesota and Green Bay. And really, the Vikings are the team that they're look, you know, that they're tied with right now. So uh, that they're looking up with right now. So I really think that the Bears are the t- are the right side here. Uh, again, I look to to try and be devil's advocate and say, okay, it's too many points inside the division. But like I felt with Philly and Dallas, I feel the same way with Chicago. I just like the way this team's playing, and I, I think they're ascending. Normally, in years past, we look at the Bears and they'd go into a, a Buffalo game like they did last week, and and it'd be a tough game. They'd either lose it or they'd win it by a couple points. Instead they lay waste to Buffalo right away, and they win the game by 30-plus points. So this Bears team, to me, is going in the right direction. They're well-coached. They know what they're doing. They know they got their main guy back in Khalil Mack, who needed that extra week to really get that ankle ready to go. I think Stafford's going to be under duress. He's going to make mistakes. It's going to be about 34 degrees somewhere in that neighborhood. Take the Dome team, put them into Soldier Field in that environment. A couple sacks here and there. That crowd's going to pile on. And the Bears are going to win this game by double digits. Bears laying seven. Ken all over the Bears in this one against the Lions. Uh, Matt Stafford, first seven games this year, was sacked a total of 13 times. Last week against the Vikings, 10, 10 times sacked. And now for his efforts, he gets to face the Chicago Bears right after that with, as you point out, Ken, Khalil Mack back from two weeks off with a right ankle injury. That was interesting how Mack didn't play against the Bills last week. The week before that when he was out, it was like right before the game they said, well, he probably could have played, but, you know, just precautionary, we'll take him out. So you expected him to play last week, uh, but I guess they made the calculus. They're like, well, it is the Bills. We don't really need him, so take another week off. He will be back in the lineup against the Lions in this one. Bears favored by seven again play on the Bears there from Ken. Marco? I'm going to go to an ugly one, and we're going to go with a home dog. And right now, <laughs> there's one team that after last week has you know, risen to the top of the charts and is everybody's darling, and that's the Saints. And we talk about you know trying to uh, buy low and sell high. Well, right now, the market is not any stronger on the Saints than they are after the Rams game last week. You know, and it 45-35 final score. It really wasn't even indicative of how much they dominated that game. Uh, they had the 17-point lead, and then uh, the Rams come roaring back, tied it, and then didn't do anything after that. 
Uh, I'm looking at this one. I'm going to go against the Saints. I think they're laying too many points on the road. This is talk about a dome team going outside. They're going to be playing in Cincinnati. Not quite Chicago conditions, but still uh, you're playing outdoors. And talk about a sandwich spot. Uh, you're coming off the Rams. That was billed as you know the best game of the year so far, and, and it was. Um, and you handled what everybody thought was the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And speaking of Super Bowl, who do you have up next? Well, the reigning Super Bowl champs and the Philadelphia Eagles back at home. And you have this game sandwiched on the road. On the road, oh, can I point out that this is their third road game in four weeks, in five and seven weeks? Uh, I'm going to go with Cincinnati here. I know A.J. Green is doubtful. Um, I would have rather had him on the field give me another weapon, but this is all about a situational spot, and I just can't see the Saints coming with the same intensity that they had last week and what they've got on tap coming up next week at Philadelphia. And you look at it, they're coming off of that Minnesota revenge game the week before, then the Rams last week. Just can't put the pedal to the metal every single week. This is a great situational spot for the home dog coming off a bye. Take the Bengals. A.J. Green going to be out in this one. John Ross back in for the Bengals wide receiving core. Vontae's perfect also, though, out it looks like in this one, Marco. You still are about the Bengals here. Five and a half point dogs. Five and a half or six. Yeah. 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 It's, it's climbing. And uh, this is one of those ones you wait till game day because you're going to get the, the peak number when all of the – uh, average players come in and be grabbing the uh, Saints. Okay. Yeah, AJ, AJ Green is out. What I'm seeing, guys, too, is he's, he's definitely out for this game. Yeah, he is out. He might be out for a few weeks, actually, AJ Green, but definitely out for this one. John Ross in. Vontae's perfect. It appears will be out for this one. So the Bengals uh, banged up, and the uh, Saints with Des Bryant. I know that factored into your handicapping, Marco. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I know you spent at least an hour. Moving your power ratings on that one. Anyway, we'll see if Dez contributes. Dez, who couldn't separate from D-backs in Dallas when, we'll, when last we saw him, but the, uh, the Saints need some production outside of Michael Thomas in their wide receiving core, so they picked up Dez. We'll see if uh, he makes any contribution this weekend at Cincy. All right, gentlemen, before we get to the final two questions and uh, thoughts on the Thursday night game real quick, a reminder... A reminder, as always, that the show brought to you by the good folks over at bookmaker.eu. Support for today's show comes from bookmaker.eu, as always, an industry leader for close to 30 years. Pro players consider them a must because they're first to post odds, take the highest limits, and pride themselves on never having kicked out a winning player. I will always stop in my tracks and repeat that. Never having kicked out a winning player and take the highest limits. That, my friends, is the killer combination that is the rarest of all commodities bookmaker.eu. I cannot stress my support enough for that as a characteristic. Bookmaker, a high-volume sports book, best suited for the sophisticated player who understands sports betting as well as catering to large recreational players. And again, their motto, where the lines originate. Because chances are your sports book follows their line. And right now, if you visit bookmaker.eu slash gill, that's bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L. If you join right now, you can claim an exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300. That's bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L. That's me. To claim your welcome bonus of up to $300. As I say every time, it is a key cog in my betting arsenal. It should be in yours, too. In my opinion, if you're doing it right, you would join them right now as well. Not just saying that. Again, never having kicked out a winning player. All right, guys, Thursday night. This is one of these double-edged sword things I always talk about with Thursday night games because we complain as a football betting and football fan audience. We complain when the matchups suck on Thursday night. Oh, it's Denver, Arizona. It sucks. And then when we get a good game like this, we rejoice Carolina-Pittsburgh. Now, sometimes the game, because it's on a Thursday night, Thursday night games are squirrely no matter who plays. The, the level of play isn't up to what we hoped, and then we lament the fact that it was Carolina-Pittsburgh on Thursday. We're like, oh, I wish Carolina-Pittsburgh had been on Sunday so it would be like a legit game. So I don't know how this is going to go. But it is, on paper anyway, a very good matchup between the Panthers and the Steelers. And this line has gone all the way from 5 to 3. This is 3 extra juice, 3.5 reduced juice, somewhere in that pocket right now. But there are threes widespread out there on this game. We'll start with you, Ken. Any thoughts at all, real briefly, 
on this game if you're playing it at all? Yeah, Pittsburgh. I mean, even though they're two and five against the number as a favorite at Heinz Field, and Marco knows Pittsburgh better than everybody, so I was hoping maybe you'd go to Marco first, but that's okay. I'm, <laughs> I, I would lean Steelers here because I look at Carolina, and they, you know, you look in their uh, their last several games. I mean, they struggled get the 63-yard field goal to beat the Giants, 33-31. They lose at the Redskins. They make the miracle comeback at Philly. They did handle Baltimore, and that's the game that kind of has us going like, wow, we maybe Baltimore we thought was better than they are. We see that they're reeling right now. And then they come back with a nice offensive effort against Tampa Bay, got the deflected pass up in the air that McCaffrey caught. So, you know, at the, at the end of the day, they're finding ways to win. They have Olsen back, so they have some confidence. Cam is doing the right things right now. But there's something about the Steelers in a game at home, short week, that, you know, the line might be going towards Carolina and they might be the trendy play. But I'm going to take the Steelers. I'm going to trust that Big Ben is starting to get his act together. He's struggled. It hasn't been an epic Big Ben season, you know, consistency-wise. And he was the first one that owned the Baltimore Sunday night loss in Pittsburgh. That's why I was on Pittsburgh last week. I knew you were going to get Ben's best effort because he knew. He said, hey, it's all on me. I played the worst second half that I've played in a long time, so it's on me, and so that's why I looked at Pittsburgh when they went to Baltimore. I'll look at Pittsburgh again on the short week, and down to three, I'll lay the juice. I think Pittsburgh wins the game by a touchdown. Yeah, total right around 51 in this game right now. Warren Sharp, who was on the show this morning at VEASAN on a numbers game, passionate dissertation in favor of the over in this game. Carolina and Pittsburgh, top five red zone teams, by the way, on the season. Pittsburgh number two, Carolina number five. Uh, Marco, uh, Ken is right. You are the Pittsburgh Steeler authority. And I promise I won't do this every week when the Steelers come up. But one more time, I just want to say, obviously, I'm a Redskin fan. That's how I grew up. But Pittsburgh, I love the city of Pittsburgh. After what happened, the tragedy at the Tree of Life Synagogue, the outpouring from the Steelers football team, the fact that they showed up at the services, and then the Pittsburgh Gazette headline in Hebrew uh, after the funeral, I cannot express to you how heartwarming that is for those of us who are members of the tribe who saw that. Because I will tell you, in L.A., New York, Miami, wherever there's the highest populated Jewish um, centers in this country— I'm not sure it's even that there. And so that was just amazing. And so just shout out to Pittsburgh, man. I know it has nothing to do with football, but I was just so impressed with that, man. Well, Pittsburgh's such a melting pot. I mean, really, there's so many different nationalities in Pittsburgh, and uh, they do pull together. Um, As far as Thursday night football goes, guys, normally when you look at the short week, they generally give you a division game because it's easier to prepare for a uh, team that you face twice a year rather than uh, you know once every four years. Uh, so with that said, I would agree with the over. Uh, with the preparation, uh, you're not going to have it. I think the offenses will be ahead of the defenses in this game, and you'll see scoring. But as far as the game goes itself, normally this would be an advantage for the home team uh, on the short week of prep, uh, with uh, neither team being familiar with the other. But here's the problem for the Steelers, and there's several in this game. One is they're coming off their biggest rivalry game of the season. You all, you've heard me talk about it a gazillion times of, about the Steelers and Ravens, oh, yeah. how hard of hitting yep. those games are. And now you've got to come back on a short week after a hard-hitting game that you had circled in red after you got embarrassed on Sunday night football earlier in the season. So that's a horrible spot just for the bodies of the Steelers to come back. Secondly, and we talk about revenge, did you look at who the Steelers play next? I know they're a non-factor this year, but believe me, the Steelers remember last year because that team took them out of the playoffs and put up 45 points on them in the playoffs. They go to Jacksonville next week. So you've got, you know, a sandwich spot. I know it's a Thursday night game, so you're not going to be flat. I'm not indicating that, but it's just not a good spot. And the final element to it, if you go back and look at the teams that have given the Steelers the biggest fits are teams with mobile quarterbacks. And there's nobody more mobile right now than Cam Newton. They have put the running game back in Cam Newton's arsenal, running the read option, and when he's doing that, they're unstoppable. And you've seen it with their offense of the points that they've been scoring. Uh, They've scored 30-plus in four of their last six games. And 
that's going to be the key to this game. And if you're banged up and you see that big body rolling at you in the open field, you want to really tackle Cam Newton? <laughs> I hate to do it, but this is a spot for Carolina. I, I got to go with the Panthers plus the points. Carolina over teaser for me. Stop me when they start losing. You know, I just like for me, I just it's just all y'all want to bet ATS. I'm just got my legs kicked up doing these teasers. Um, you know what was interesting about that? That uh, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but Pittsburgh Baltimore last week because we and I'm sure Ken, you do it on Sports Talk Radio. I know I do it on Veasan all the time. Uh, we like to talk about coaching gaffes and how stupid some of these coaches are in games. Vance Joseph, for instance, with the Broncos last week, a a target that we've come to more than once. But can I just say, I know we don't like to go after John Harbaugh that often, but 233 left in that game last week. The Ravens are down a touchdown, and they have two timeouts in their pockets. And Harbaugh lets the clock go all the way down to the two-minute warning, wastes 33 seconds of that precious clock. I get it when it's down closer to the two-minute warning, but you can't let 33 seconds go by at that point. I couldn't believe that was happening. Did you, Marco, when you were watching that, did you take note of that at all? I absolutely did. In uh, the other note of that game, and I thought that's possibly where you were going to go because we've ripped Tomlin so much um, over the years on some of his being out-coached in-game. The play of the game in that game is bad as much as Pittsburgh dominated that game from start to finish. And that was probably the, one of the more dominating seven point finals that you'll see. But Baltimore had a chance to get back in that game when Ben got hurt and had to leave for oh, a play. The play of the game. Yeah. The next play. Joshua Dobbs yeah. from the shadow, you know, thrown back inside his own 10 yard line. Tomlin let him let it rip and threw a 20 yard pass a laser get the first down, that was the play of the game, it in was. my opinion. Because if they punt there, 100%. deep in their own territory, with all of the momentum that Baltimore had at that point in time, it's a totally different ball game. What was that? Was it a, they were at their own five-yard line. It was the third quarter, or was it early fourth? I can't remember, but it was back. It was, it was late. It was late third, early fourth. I don't yeah. remember either. But it was it was the point where the momentum the momentum had shifted. Baltimore had just scored, and then you got Ben, which at the time we thought he was dead on the sideline the way he was laying there. I thought his collarbone was broken. I thought he was done for the year. I really did. Yeah, yeah. And it was just one of those one of those spots, and he let Joshua Dobbs come in cold without even a throw. Right. It, you know that's not Tomlin, and got to give him credit. Twenty-two yard completion on I think it was a third and twenty, was it, or something like that, or yeah. a third and ten, or yeah. something. Yeah, it was just amazing play. That was the play of the game for sure. Changed the momentum right back to the Steelers. They hold on for the touchdown win. Ace, any thoughts on tonight's game? I got to lean under. I mean, I know it's a scary thought um, going under on these primetime games. Uh, but I, I do think this total's a little bit too high uh, based on these two teams. I mean, Carolina's done nothing wrong the last three weeks. Uh, they haven't turned the ball over one time. I mean, they've been balanced running the ball and throwing the football. But I don't think they're going to have that success running against this Pittsburgh defense that hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher since September 16th. Um, and for Carolina to have success offensively, they need to be two-dimensional. We've seen that. When they've gotten shut down on the run like Washington did to them, they lost that game. Um, Washington held them to 81 yards, only 18 rushes. So I think if, if Pittsburgh gives them trouble on the, uh, against the rush, you're not going to see many points scored from them. And I think Pittsburgh is going to grind this game out as well so at 51 i think the total's too high the line is confusing to me almost makes me want to bet carolina because it makes no sense but i think the total's where the value is all right final two questions gentlemen we close every show with these two questions the first of which is which of the big favorites is the most likely to lose outright we've done this show for eight years I'm not sure we've had this many choices with this many large spreads in one week. So literally over half the schedule qualifies here. Biggest favorite, most likely to lose outright. New England, seven-point favorites, maybe six and a half, on the road, depending on where you're shopping, on the road at Tennessee. Kansas City, 16 and a half consensus favorites at home against Arizona. The Jets, 
let's call it six and a half or seven point favorite, seven points reduced juice at home right now at home against the Buffalo Bills. Bears, seven point favorites at home against the Lions. It continues. We're not even counting the New Orleans-Cincinnati game in this because it doesn't qualify. Uh, Chargers, 10-point favorites on the road at Oakland. Rams, 10-point favorites at home against the Seahawks. Green Bay, 10-point favorites at home against Miami. And then Philadelphia, the Sunday night game we already talked about, 7-point favorites at home against the Cowboys. Man, that's eight different games Ken, of those big favorites, which, in your opinion, would be the most likely to lose outright? I think the Rams could lose again. I know it's crazy. I know a lot of people have them number one in their power rankings, or now maybe New Orleans because of that home win. Uh, a lot of people have elevated New Orleans up there. And, you know, the Ram team is darn it dynamite. There's no doubt about it. But I think we concentrate too much on the defensive side of the ball for the Rams, you know, based on what's on paper. And we know Donald and Sue, probably two of the best tackles to ever play on one team together. So that's legit. But, you know, Peters, Tlaib, you know, what has that done? Tlaib's been on the DL for a while. Peters has not done anything compared to what he's done in his career. So I think we, uh, we look at this Rams defense and maybe give them too much credit. And we watch teams go up and down the field all that, on them, and that includes at home on that Thursday night game off the short week. We watch the Vikings go up and down the field on the Rams. So I think Seattle, based on the way they played the Rams the first game, and let's give McVay credit, you know, fourth and one on his own 43 goes for it. You know, down up 33-31, and, uh, you know, they get the victory. They seal things. Look, it's, it's, it's a divisional game, and it's, it's Seattle. And it's still Russell Wilson, still Pete Carroll, and there's enough there that if they catch the Rams thinking, all right, well, we got it in New Orleans. It's probably our only loss. If this, they're not focused for this game, Seattle's good enough at 500-4-4 four four to go in there. Seattle needs the game. The Rams don't need the game. They think they've got it because of the way they played. But a lot of times when you see streaks get up over the number of eight, I don't care if it's one way or the other, if it's a losing streak or a winning streak, and that streak ends, you'll see that same result happen that next game. I think Seattle's got a chance to beat the Rams outright. Definitely love them plus the 10 points. It's going down to 9.5 a, a lot of places, but I think Seattle's a great play. Bold choice for that question. That's one of the three afternoon games, Seattle at the Rams. Rams are Ken's choice for that question. Marco, same question. I'm on the uh, the Rams as well. The Rams here, this is a spot where wow. you look at you look at what they've played. This, you know, they just come off four road games in 5 weeks and they've got another uh big game coming up and it's you know it's a technically a home game but it's a road game it's at mexico and it's against kansas city this is a spot seattle's you know a conference game there's you know you're not supposed to look or a division game you're not supposed to look past the division opponent but when you just came off playing green bay in new orleans and you've got kansas city the afc darling up next this is actually the the game that you're looking past uh, and Seattle's always had a history of playing the Rams, you know, these games being tight. I'm going to go ahead and uh, say that Seattle is live here. Wow. They got a shot of pulling it off. I'm a little surprised by that, those answers. Interesting. Compelling reasons, though. Ace, uh, don't say, hey, I just want to give the listeners something else if that's really your game. Tell me what authentically is your game. No, I, I mean, that, it makes sense. Obviously, Seattle was, uh, I don't love anything, to, be, to tell you the truth, of those big double-digit ones. I mean, I was looking at Miami against Green Bay because Green Bay is obviously beatable this year. They, I mean, but at home, they're a very dominant team. And with the Tannehill situation, just don't have that confidence. But again, I thought they're live. I think Seattle's live um, as well, believe it or not. Uh, but I don't know about winning the game outright, you know, but I guess Seattle um, <clears throat> would be the best spot. Hmm. I mean, they, they played them tough. They know them very well. I would have to look at Seattle as well. I mean, like I said, nothing really jumped out of those big double-digit dogs to say this one's something I'm racing to bet the money line on. Um, but at least matchup-wise, I think Seattle matches up the best. But you sprinkle a little money line on Tennessee, so wouldn't New England be your choice in that question? That was already given. All right, yeah, well, that's, I, okay, well, that's the answer I want. I want your authentic yeah, that, answer. Okay, okay, right. yeah, that's the main one. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to toss in a little bonus for Nah, this. nah, see, that's, I knew how your brain worked on that. All right, uh, before we move on to the final question then, just one thought. Buffalo and the Jets, none of you picked Buffalo and the Jets. None of you picked the Jets there. That line has come down through the seven, and it's Josh McDown now and Sam Darnold. Is that a curious move to any of you uh, besides me? That's very interesting to me. Because I, for me, Josh McCown... For, for me, is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold any way you look at it. Ken, you were saying? Yeah, that was me. I, I, mean, I agreed. 
Oh, you agree. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Ken. I, I, you know what? Just frankly, with the the way the Bills are playing, it's and I know they played New England tough, and they dropped the eight back and, and rushed three, which was smart going up against Brady, and they know that team inside out. But, yeah, again, it's a divisional game. You know, the quarterback switch. But McCown's looking to say, hey, you know what? I'm the guy. I know we got the young prodigy and, and the kids in here, but let me remind you that I'm a veteran and I'm going to dissect this Bills team so I can see the Jets taking care of business and uh, McCown having a good game. Yeah, me too. Um, I thought that was you talking. It was, it was actually Marco who jumped in. I apologize there. All right, final question then, gentlemen. We live in a bizarro world, and you're forced to bet aside on every one of these 14 games on the NFL slate this week, but you're allowed one pass, one game where you're like, yeah, I'm not even betting that with my mother's money. Uh, which would that game be, Ken? Uh, it's Arizona-Kansas City, just because of the amount of points. I totally respect KC. Love the way this team plays offensively. Mahomes, the real deal. Takes advantage of the rules that the quarterback has been given. I mean, he gets outside the tackle box most of the time, and that's what irks me about the Raiders is because Carr doesn't do it. And when you have a guy that has mobility, I mean, they make it simple. Get outside the tackle box, throw it to the line of scrimmage, you can throw it away. Run, you can slide, they can't touch you. So they made it nice and easy. Mahomes fits that bill because that's the reckless abandon that he used to play with at Texas Tech, but now rules are in there to protect him from having that reckless abandon, so he's taking advantage of it. So I like KC a lot, but when you see 16 and 16 and a half, and I know it was as high as 17, it just makes you wonder, what about a backdoor cover? What about KC realizing this is a gimme? Let's take it easy a little bit. And you know that mindset. Marco and, and uh, Ace are always on top of that situational stuff and mindset, and that comes into play, and I think it could come into play here. So I totally want to stay away from this game, Arizona-KC. So true about Derek Carr, too. So true. Never outside the pocket, it seems like, these days anymore. Uh, Marco, same question. Uh, I'm going to go to the Miami-Green Bay one. And this is a spot where you've got to wonder the mindset of Green Bay. I mean, the natural reaction would be, you know, Green Bay returning home. they got a team they can dominate. they you know, dropping way down in class after playing the Rams to the hilt two weeks ago and then last week going to – uh, New England, and again, we talk about misleading final scores. I mean, that was a game that you you watch the entire game, and it's not a two-score difference. That was a two-play difference. Uh, and the one big play being the, the fumble by Green Bay and turns around and makes a, a seven-point game the other direction where Green Bay was going in to take the lead. And then, of course, the gimmick play that set up the other score uh, with Edelman throwing uh, the pass. Miami, they could get blown out. If Green Bay does come to play, this is a spot where they can get blown out. So do I want to lay nine and a half, ten points with Green Bay? No. Do I trust Miami and Osweiler with that offense that if Aaron Rodgers is on and this team is totally focused, can he trade points? No, I'll pass. There's better games on a Sunday card. Hey, Gil, real quick. Yeah, please. Gil, I just wanted to interject uh, one thing. I have not seen a schedule to where it worked out where you have four road games as difficult as Green Green Bay was at Rams, at New England, now they get Miami, then they're at Seattle Thursday night and at Minnesota. I mean, that's just brutal. Brutal. If they don't win this game, you could kiss any playoff hopes for Green Bay goodbye. Brutal. Seattle has a brutal stretch right now, too. Obviously, they play Green Bay. Both teams meet. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is just horrible for Green Bay. Uh, and, yeah, this is a season killer if they don't win this game. By the way, Ryan Tannehill, uh, not coming back anytime soon. Not coming back anytime soon for the Dolphins. Ace. The, the leave alone for me has got to be Jacksonville, Indianapolis. I mean, you know, this, Indies looked good. Both coming off a of bye. Indies won their last two games, but, you know, I was against Buffalo and Oakland, and Jacksonville's just been a huge disappointment. Can you believe this team's been favored um, so many times this year, uh, you know, and they, how many wins do they have? All three wins. This is the game I'd pass on for sure. Side or total, just don't want anything to do with it. Indianapolis, 14-1 to 1, you can get them at to win the AFC South. I'm just saying, I'm two and a half games back. But if they get a win here, maybe. Yeah, it's anybody's. You're right. Just maybe. You never know. Uh, if Andrew Luck and the Colts can get it together here, obviously, Got to get by this game here. Key game in the AFC South. All right, gentlemen, we've done all we can do. Thank you, as always. Ace and Marco, thank you, gentlemen, for always making the time. 
Appreciate it. Thanks for no having problem. us, brother. Thank you. And Ken Thompson, Sports X Radio here in Vegas. Uh, 20 years on Sports Talk Radio. Still going strong. Ken, appreciate the time, man, and, and for stepping in on such short notice. Really thank you, man. I really appreciate you guys Let me uh, chime in. I appreciate you guys. Marco, Ace, always a pleasure. Ken Thompson. Great to have you again. Debut here on the, on the Megapod. As always, thank you so much for listening. Good luck with all your bets this weekend in the NFL yeah. and in college football. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.